I don't need you to tell me how fucking good my coffee is, okay? I'm the one who buys it. Would you like to come upstairs for some coffee? Oh, no, thanks. I can't drink coffee late at night. It keeps me up. Shades and ladies. Welcome back, everyone, to the Sub-Zero Coffee Podcast. And, uh, like, we just keep getting world champions and full-time legends onto the podcast. It's great. I'm not mad about it at all. And I'm so excited to uh, uh, introduce today's guest, who's not only a guest, but we're friends. And I was friends with you before it was cool. I'll introduce you to Matthew Winton, the current and recent World Brewers Cup champion. Hello, Matthew. Hey Kirk, how's it going? Oh, mate. Well, I was good, but now that you're here, I'm oh so much better. And, <laughs> I and love you, it, man. That's fantastic. And, and really you're cool coming to on. us. You're coming to us live from Milan again. So you've you've gone to Milan. You've painted the town red. You've won the championship, and then uh, all of a sudden you're back there. What's what's the go there, mate? Yeah, I'm back here just for for the morning. Actually, uh, yeah. Didn't really get to see too much of Milan when I was here, funnily enough. I was a little bit too focused on uh, on what was happening with the competition. Um, but yeah, just had the chance to get down here for a day and took it. So coming to you live from a hotel room in the center of Milan. Yeah, Let's well, I mean... Get some heavily robusta coffee. Yeah, yeah. Oh, the, the coffee in Italy, I'm sorry to those listening from Italy, but it is, on the whole, it's rough. It, it's 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 rough. I went to Italy in 2017 and I was um, just in the infancy of my barista making career, or coffee making career rather, and um, the coffee was, you, you know when you hear the squealing of the milk jug, or like the, you know, it sounds like an animal being tortured. Yeah, well, it was that. Um, yeah. Anyway, I'll, we won't one, get... one of my favorite places actually is uh, it's called Cafe Napoli, uh, and they just do like this really really tight espresso, and they'll ask you if you want to have like their their cream with it, and you always say yes. Like you have to say yes because this cream is like uh, sugar cream, and apparently they put some coffee in there as well. So it's like this weird brown sort of creamy syrupy sort of stuff. Yeah, and it concoction comes with of the gods. Equal parts espresso. Exactly. Almost equal parts espresso and the, the cream stuff. And you stir it in and it just becomes the most thick, like roasty, sweet, strangest thing that you've ever drank. And it's amazing. I love it. It sounds it's like ridiculous. It sounds like a halfway point between sort of like Vietnamese coffee and something someone on the keto diet would drink. You know, you know how you get some, you yeah. get some people put like a, a spoonful of butter in their espresso, which I think just sounds abhorrent. I wouldn't even try it. Like it just... I hate butter. Like I don't, I don't eat mm-hmm. butter. Um, but mixing mm-hmm. it with, with an espresso to me should be a you know jailable offence. Did you not use butter in a signature drink or anything like that? I did. Uh, maybe it's a, it's a good ingredient for those sorts of things. Yeah. To be honest, like because the yeah. sugar, the yeah. sugars and the fats in butter um, allow you to sort of um, combine flavors and stuff like that, or extract flavors yeah. from other um, compounds. Yeah. So. I mean, I shouldn't. It's super interesting. Yeah, yeah. Don't knock the butter before you try it. But what? it's also strange. We're essentially making keto coffee every time we're we're doing a signature drink. If it wasn't for all the sugar, I suppose. Yeah, well, <laughs> I mean, if you want to lose some weight, get on the keto diet. Then signature drinks are your go. But Matt, we'll 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 we'll, we'll, we'll touch on that later if you really want to. But <laughs> I, I'm more interested in knowing about you, mate. You're so you're the World Brewers Cup champion as of a few weeks ago. 
you represented Sweden, so to qualify the world for the World Brewers Cup uh, Championship, you, uh, Switzerland. Switzerland I'm sorry. this time, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sweden, Sweden was the years before, yeah. Yeah, well, we'll get to that. Um, so you, so you qualified by winning the Swiss Barista Championship, uh, Brewers Cup Championship. Oh God, I, I think I need a coffee. Um, and <laughs> you're Australian, as the accent would suggest. You're born in Australia. Yes. You've also represented Sweden in the Swedish. Did you do Swedish Brewers Cup or just Swedish Barista Championship? I did Swedish Barista two times. Uh, then I did Swedish, uh, yeah, Swedish. Bar- <laughs> now I've forgotten Swedish Barista in eighteen uh, and nineteen, and then Swiss Brewers Cup uh, in twenty twenty. And it was sort of supposed to be a year off, uh, but then I ended up enjoying it and getting into it, and then yeah, the worlds. And then winning the worlds, just you know, you don't have to be so humble. You you, you just enjoyed it and took out the cheese. It's all I mean, good. I, I think I think it still isn't fully sunk in in a way. It's like, uh, yeah, I mean, it it has hit me now, but it definitely didn't hit me for about a week. Mm. Uh, I had to go back and rewatch and uh, rewatch the announcements a couple of times and rewatch the routine. I'm like, oh yeah, that's me up there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, well. It, it, like I, when I woke up and saw, I was like, "Holy shit, Matt! Gosh!" But let's 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 start with um, you were born, obviously born in Australia. Where 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 were you born? Up in Cairns. Cairns. So that's in like the a northeast part of the country. It's a very Topical. yeah. It's a very remote part of uh, Australia. I wouldn't say it's very remote. We've got an airport. <laughs> well, well, I stand corrected. Drop and guess. And so, obviously, you lived there up until you were what age? Uh, so, I joined the army when I was seventeen. Yep. Um, and I was in the military in Australia for almost seven years, mm-hmm. and got to travel around the country a little bit more then. So, I, I joined up and did aircraft engineering. Mm-hmm. So, I was fixing Blackhawk helicopters for the most part of of that career in the army, mm-hmm. um, which was which was a lot of fun. It was great. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so it took me around Australia, and then I ended up uh, separating from the army in 2014. So, yeah. About seven years, 2007, 2014, yeah, something like that. Did you do any and, tours of uh, another country when you are in the army? Sorry to interrupt. Oh, yeah, 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 yep, yeah, I did. I was in Papua New Guinea and East Timor, um, which are two coffee-producing countries. Mm-hmm. Um, so we were doing like some peacekeeping and some trainings and stuff up there. Um, yeah, it was a, a lot of fun. And come to think of it, I did buy coffee from both of those places, but this is also definitely before I knew a single thing about coffee. <laughs> Mm. <laughs> so it was a bit like, uh, yeah, maybe it was a, a subtle way of the universe telling me that, uh, hey, check out this coffee thing. I've got to say, countries that make coffee. When I when I watched your video, the video of your routine, and I look at you now, you've got a you've got a very slick Rick hairdo going. You've got a bit of a, <laughs> I think you've got a bit of a cheesy mustache developing there. Am there's, I correct? There's a mo. There's, uh, it's been it's been cooking for about a year, but I'm just waiting for it to be done. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, the development on that mo is slow. It's a slow burner, so you know, I'm liking the progress. But uh, good things take time. <laughs> like you don't strike me as someone that's been in the military or what you know, or capable of doing what uh, you know. You look you look sort of young John Lennon esque in a way, and you know could play some. Some serious harmonies, but, you know, if I cross you the wrong way, you could probably, like, remove my Adam's apple, you know, in an instant. So, um, yeah, it's a lovely contrast. 
Yeah, I mean, I feel like I had my time doing that sort of stuff and uh, it feels a bit like a past life, to be honest. It's a bit like I I had this, this, yeah, this other life that I lived and, you know, I was in the military, I was, um, you know, basically settled, not actually with a wife and kids and the white picket fence, but like that direction. Um, and, yeah, had had a very different look on life than what I do now. Um, and it was actually at some point while I was living in Australia after I left the army that I started to discover a little bit more to what life was. Um, you know, I, I made some friends who were not in the military and then I started working, uh, like at the busiest time, I was working sort of four jobs. I started a dog training business. Uh, I was working as a bartender, as a glassy in a nightclub. Um, a touch of DJing and like uh, my very first coffee job was in Brisbane and it was just a couple of hours on the weekend. Jeez, you're a mixed bag of chips, mate. That is, that is a, that is, <laughs> that is a lot to squeeze in dog trainer. Now I'm picturing you sort of training a German shepherd to do God knows what. And um, yeah, I used to have a German shepherd. That was the, that was the one. Yeah. Well, the, uh, this just keeps unraveling. Um, and so I'm trying to get, I'm trying to get the timing right. So if you were in the military when you were 17, you left in 2014. There's another six years after that. Does that make you 31? Uh, yeah, I'm 31 now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. there I go with my numbers. Um, but you know, are we look, the same age? No, I'm 27. No. You no, you're like? Oh, you're a, you're a pup. Yeah. Well, I mean, I I look 41, but I'm 27, and you know. <laughs> Here, here you go. Here you go again. You know you. Yeah, yeah. God, I wish I was you sometimes. Anyway, so <laughs> you, what, what, what? At what point did you sort of decide to move to Europe? Yeah, so it was during that 2015 thing after I left the military, and I was living in Brizzy, um, and just started exploring like sort of everything and learning that there was sort of more to life than being in the military. Um, and not only was there like, a, that was also where the sort of spiritual stuff started to come in, which is a big part of my life. Um, but, you know, that was my first ever meditation course that I did back in, in Brisbane. And when I started to, you know, eat vegetarian and searching for something outside of myself, um, you know, it was a bit like having the main thing that I was doing all that time with all these other jobs was also I was still doing, I was building uh, helicopters for defense full time still so i just sort of ended up getting burnt out as well which is like a classic story um and just trying to find what i really wanted to do um and a friend of mine about two weeks before uh we went was just like hey we should go to europe and just do contracting so still with aircraft engineering but like you just sort of go one place and then you know you spend six weeks there and then they pay for your flights and your accommodation to go to the next place and then it was just sort of traveling around so me and him started in wales uh, and then I went to England, he went to Germany, uh, I went to Switzerland, I think he went to the south of France for the next contract. And when I was in Zurich, I, I just like, the contract finished, it was a beautiful sunny summer's day and I just felt like, oh, I could stick around for a little while. And I just walked into a, a local cafe just in the city um, and was like, hey, I'm Australian, I'm a bit of a barista you know, looking for a job. And the guy was like, oh, you're Australian, you're a barista. Yeah, come in, come in, come in, sit down, sit down. Uh, and I just sat there and I think it was also like the middle of a Friday lunch rush. <laughs> so my timing wasn't great, but I just sat down. He gave me some coffee and, you know, we just like got along. 
and fate sort of had it that uh, he actually uh, hurt himself quite badly, he burnt his hand and he couldn't work anymore after that for like uh, four weeks. And I just stepped right into his job basically and started working full-time in coffee. And I just loved it. It was just awesome. Like I was, you know, setting up the cafe, listening to podcasts about coffee and then making coffee all day and experimenting and messing around. Uh, and then we'd go home and watch videos and, and research more things about coffee. So just, just sort of dove head first into this, this whole world. Uh, it was awesome. Really you, awesome. You've, you've made the segue into asking the questions about coffee really easy. My next question was, how'd you get into coffee? But you've just answered that. So thank you. Um, so what, what, what is the, so from there, what are some of the things in coffee that influenced you the most? So you, you've, you started off in coffee, you're working in Zurich, you're capable of building fucking helicopters. Um, and then, you know, now you're into coffee and obviously it, you strike me as the type of person that once you get into something, you really get into it and you like investigating it more. Um, having an engineering brain would perhaps insist, assist in that because, you know, getting the knowledge of physics, mechanical sort of elements, um, perhaps some chemistry, biology. With, is there some of that in there as well? I was avionics, actually, so I did all of the aircrafts, uh, electrical, instrument, and radios. Yeah, well, I mean, translates. I mean, it sounds like smart stuff. I'm sure, I'm sure it applies. Um, all right, so you got there. What, what influenced you from then on coffee-wise? Um, I think definitely I, I was the podcast were the biggest thing. Which podcast? That's something I've got to shout out to. So definitely Tampa Tantrum. That was the one with Steve Layton and Colin Harmon. I listened to that for, for yeah like a, a year straight every morning, basically just, you know, there was such, I think it was exactly how you, I think you hit the nail on the head describing me. I'm the sort of person that just like dives all in. And there was so much information available. Um, and they just kept, you know, unraveling new things about origins, about famous people and what they did. Um, the Cat and Cloud podcast in in um, the US. Chris Barker um, and uh, Jared Truby. Yep. Shout yep. out to big, them. Big Jared's, Jared, who I've met in person, is, a, is an absolute legend. I love the guy. And Chris, I'm a big fan of their work too. They're both absolute legends. I was so, so, so stoked. And I was fangirling a bit about uh, meeting them in Boston two years ago. <laughs> it was super cool. Um, yeah, really respect everything they do. I like their whole vibe. I uh, love listening to their their stuff. Um, so that, that was like at the start. And then I feel like podcasts sort of developed a bit more. And, you know, you started this one. I've listened to all of your work and I love it. I love the guests that you get on as well. And oh, geez, you, you I mean, pulling on the heartstrings here, mate. <laughs> you know me, I'm like into this sort of casual uh, style of conversation. I really like that more. And I think you hit the nail on the head there pretty well. Well, uh, it's um, thank you would, would be my first response to that. I just want to, before we move on to too much else, I want to also say about Stephen Layton that I reckon there's, there's nearly there's hundreds of episodes of In My Mug, you know, the little YouTube uh, thing that has been due. I don't know. I don't think Steve does it anymore, but... When he did, I reckon I watched nearly all of them. There were, you know, 600 that he did himself and then, um, you know, I think it's transitioned to, to some other people now, but I watched nearly all of them yeah. and that's really how I got into sort of this, um, I don't know, sort of concept of um, of liking individual coffees and sort of, you know, having a more of an, uh, a wine 
you know industry outlook on coffee itself because and i credit a lot of that to steve layton and in my mug um where he'd just go talk about a farm and then um and then i just thought to myself geez i want to try coffee from that farm and some of the farms i've been to now so some of the farms in bolivia um some of the farms some of the farms in uh, brazil you know he's got this he pronounces Fazenda Cajuera de Grama in such a such a funny way, and I've been to that farm. Very and, British, yeah, very British. And I, I, I just I really credit him for a lot of that. And then, um, you know, I think we should tell the story of how we met and became friends. For sure, who, I mean, who, we can just jump back to Steve really quickly. But I, I also had um, had the opportunity to work with him as well. He he's part owner of um, Drop Coffee, where I worked in Sweden for six months. So him and Joanna were amazing mentors for me for that time I was there and still continue to be. Um, yeah, he was the one that set me straight with my my 2018 World Barista Championship routine. I remember I came in there and I was just fucking about with espresso all the time because I think that's what I was comfortable with and kept on making espressos of this coffee. And at some point he was, I think he just got fed up with me giving him espresso and was like, look, you give me like six good shots now. They're all fine. They're all tasty. You give me a couple of milkies. They're all so great give me a signature drink and a routine. And then until you have those, no more espressos. And I was like, but, but I want to, nope, <laughs> give me a routine. Give me a secret. Then you can go back to making your espressos. Oh, fine. All right. Yeah. <laughs> no, right. He, well, the, it, there's <laughs> few people on earth would know more about barista competitions than him. I would have thought, but anyway, it's an absolute beast. Let's go to How the, did we meet. All right. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll start the story off and it, this is, sure. and this is like, there's so many reasons to hate social media these days, but you know, you, you do get a few, a, a few good things out of it. Um, I, I was watching, I was observing your Swedish barista competitions because back in the day I just, you know, was all in, loved it. And you had won the Swedish barista competition. And so back then on, but you were also in Sweden, no? Yes, I was. So I, I uh, visited uh, my ex-girlfriend's family who were Swedish and um, absolutely love them. You know, we're, we're still good friends and the, the family is like, I wish they could be my mum and dad sometimes. But um, <laughs> so I was vi- we were visiting her family in Sweden and then I just sort of thought, well, what's the good coffee scene around here? So I ended up sort of doing some investigating. You were the Swedish coffee guy on, on Instagram. That was your name back in the day. And um, we connected and um, worked out somewhere along the line that you were Australian. I said, oh, mate, when, when are you going to come to it? We, we were talking loosely. And uh, I said, mate, when are you going to come to Australia? And I think at the time you just said, as a matter of fact, I'll be in Melbourne in the not too distant future. And, you know, I said, and you I think said, it was just like two or three weeks. Yeah. 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 And then, um, then you had sort of said, oh, yeah, well, I've got accommodation sort and stuff. All cool. I said, well, why don't I pick you up from the airport and we'll go have a few drinks or something? And then um, that was awesome. Yeah, so good. Uh, still appreciate that so much. Those coffee crawls and picking up from the airport were just so nice. Well, oh, my pleasure. But you're with Marik uh, from um, the Netherlands, who the works Netherlands. for Oatly. Um, yep. At the time as well. But that so. was also so so random. You know that we just met on the plane. We had no idea that either of us were on the plane, and I was walking down the aisle to go to the toilet, and I was here, Matt, and I was like, "What?" And she's just sitting in the in the seat by the window there, just totally totally randomly. We had no idea that we were either both of us going to Australia, or that uh, we'd both be on the same flight. 
and then we managed to hang out for a few days afterwards. It was fantastic. I I, um, I, I got sat next to Agnieszka Ryuska on a flight from Brazil to uh, well, from Belo Horizonte to Sao Paulo. So that was pretty funny. And I was like, well, hello there. <laughs> fresh I off, know you. <laughs> yeah, fresh off a WBC win that year. So, you know, the, the people you see. But anyway, back to the story. Um, mm. We toured all the best spots in, um, in Melbourne. Took you to my favourite restaurant, Rambler, if I met, remember correctly. So good. Only a few months before it closed as well, right? Yeah. Oh, RRP. Um, yeah, that was the that was I, the. I remember that that red cabbage sort of dish. That was there was something something with like a red leafy fruit. It was uh, a vegetable, and it was so good. Everything there was like the best thing I ever ate. Anyway, um, and at the time I was working for Saint Ali. You must have had so many good coffees that weekend. And um, <sighs> amazing, really. That's how we became friends. And yep. then and then Coffee. fast forward to now, you're just like all of a sudden you're the you're the World Brewers Cup champion. It's great. <laughs> I remember telling you, like, you mentioned, like, yeah, we'll get you on the potty. I was like, yeah, sweet. Let's just wait till after Milan. Let's see what happens. Maybe it'll be a little more interesting. Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> it, it's worked out really well for me. I've got to say, you know, I, I was happy to have you on, like I said, before it was cool. But, you know, yeah, it's, just, yeah. it's, it's just worked it's out so. really well. Um, all right, let's, let's, let's start talking about that now. Um, so you've obviously represented Sweden in the uh, – in the World Brewster Championship, for which you came seventh, which is a phenomenal achievement. Was it seventh that you ranked? Uh, eighth in 2018, and then in 2019 came seventh, yep. There you go. Um, and so now you're doing the Brewers' Cup. And I've got to say, a rather unorthodox selection of coffees um, for the World Brewers' Cup. So uh, you've got part uh, Thicker Immaculata, Natural eugenoidus, and the other part a washed catucayi from Hacienda La Florida in Ecuador. What was the what was the ratio? Uh, so we ended up using sixty percent of the Uji and forty percent of the catucayi. And yeah, another was- thing I noticed you used a metal V sixty. And one thing one thing that seems to happen a lot in Brewers Cup is everyone invents their own device and is like, oh, this is a device of my own creation. And um, and you just throw it back with the metal V sixty. I love it, man. I, I think I, my whole perspective to competitions changed a bit, where I just want to serve something tasty. And for me, it was really all about making something tasty. And I, I mean, I didn't even have a menu. Um, I think I was the first person to win in a long time without using any sort of a menu. Like, you know, with, this is the coffee, these are the flavor notes written down for the judges to look at. So that's actually the thing I'm more proud of than anything else. Well, and, and just on <laughs> that, I, I don't, I don't yeah. know if this applies to brewers. I'm probably more in touch with the rules on barista competitions, but you don't actually, um, the, the points are awarded for the verbal, the verbalization of the flavor notes, not the writing down. So they don't assess that as part of the score. So, it really, it's. I mean, yeah, it's good for aesthetics and optics and whatnot, but it, you don't actually get scored on it, do you? No, not at all. And I didn't receive a single comment about it. It was just something that me and Tom and Sam were really kind of like chuffed about. Just like, yeah, I don't know. It was a bit of a fuck you to the whole idea of what you think you have to do. Um, you know, it was all just about doing a clean setup. I mean, partly it was also because we were too busy and, and didn't have time to print them out. Uh, <laughs> it's not that I didn't want to do it necessarily, but it was cool to see that you could do it without worrying about all the extra stuff. You don't need to bring a new brewery. You don't need to bring a new technique. You don't need to bring a new anything. Mm. Um, 
I mean, obviously the coffees were kind of new and the blend concept was quite new, but that was an idea that had stuck with me since like 2020. I think I, I won. And then I started looking for coffees and I could never find the coffee. And I was sort of holding out that I would find the one and nothing really came up. It was, it was always like, oh, this is great, but it's missing this. And this is amazing, but I want more of that um, from all of these coffees from all over the world. And I knew, I, most importantly, I think I knew I wanted something clean. Um, and that was the, the biggest thing. Well, I've got, a, I've got a brilliant little piece of audio here that I'm going to play. You won't be able to hear it, Matt, but it's the intro to your, okay. um, to your routine and kind of uh, before we get stuck into talking about the coffee itself, I think it's important that everyone listens to this. So this is the first, I might say, 20 seconds or so of Matt's World Brewers Cup winning routine. How does this sound? I'm going to serve you the most sweet, balanced, and unique cup of coffee that I have ever had. It's a dance between acidity and flavour, body and sweetness, all the way from hot to cold. A dance between acidity and flavour, body and sweetness. How does it sound? Sounds great, mate. <laughs> it sounds really good. So let's let's get stuck. So like we said before, you've got the the natural eugenoidus and the washed katukaye. Washed katukaye, it doesn't... Yeah. You know, that's not the type of coffee that really gets a big sort of go in World Brewster Championships or World Brewers Cup competitions. Um, and no. you visited the farm. So, to, I'm, I'm, to be honest, it, the Eugenoi the just got a huge run at the World Brewster competition and Brewers competition this year. Um, well done to them and to Finke Immaculata, who, who would just be, you know, uh, everyone would want their coffee right now. But... Talk me through the Katakaye and how you source that. 100%. Yeah, I mean, that's the coffee I'm most passionate about. Um, to be totally honest with you, I am not a huge fan of Eugenoides on its own. But and neither am I because, insane. sorry to interrupt you right here, but most of the, I've not had a, a Eugenoides espresso uh, filter rather, but the espressos, a lot of them, I've not had one I've liked because some of them can be from, they can taste like sort of, you know, popcorn with some sugar dripped on it or like you know baklava and you know don't get me wrong i love baklava i eat baklava in my sleep but it's just not something i really want to taste in an espresso um yeah so uh, i think the 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 i was just going to say the the developments that immaculata have done have been really really progressive and they have pushed the flavors a lot and it is something very different to how we've had it in the past i think um but in filter as well, I remember um, that that coffee did not work in a flatbed brewer. When I first brewed the Eugenoides that Sam Sam Cora uh, sent me from Honor Coffee, that's who I was working with to to um, get to the world. He was uh, my coach in the end and and my absolute savior for water for coffee. Um, he's an absolute wizard. Um, and he first sent me some, and I, I brewed it in a flatbed brewer, and it just didn't work at all. It was really rough. Um, so that's actually why we switched over to a cone brewer. Before that, I would have happily used the April Brewer from Patrick Rolf. Um, he's a good friend of mine and he sent me some and, and I, I brewed on that almost every single day. Um, and the Katukai shone through that brewer. It was, it was awesome. Um, but for the blend with Eugenoides, it just didn't work. And that's why we ended up having to go back to this, this Metal B60 and the cone brewer and something a bit more traditional. Um, 
But I, I can talk. Let's let's go back to your actual question because that's that would only be fair for you. But yeah, the Catucai from La Florida. So yeah, I went to Ecuador in June uh, this year, which I was super stoked about. I, I had a couple of weeks off of work. We finished a pop up and then had some free space and time, and I was able to travel. There was no restrictions with quarantine. And I went uh, just north of Quito first to a, a farm called Finca Soledad, where I met with a, a friend of mine, Pepe. And then the uh, 2018, no, 2019 um, Ecuadorian barista champion, uh, Jonathan, came up and his buddy, Alessandro. And we just like were up at the farm for a few days. We were planting some like new geisha trees in a, in a plot that we cleared and working basically. And then me and Ale decided you know he had some time off or he could take some time off and wanted to come down and take some pictures he's awesome at, at videography and photography went down to the south of uh, ecuador where loja and further down sozoranga is where la florida was um and we stayed there for yeah good part of a week and uh just worked as well like we were doing everything we went from picking up at the farm like where the house is and then the farm is sort of like a kilometer away and up a little goat's track and normally they have a donkey to carry all of the the cherries back down because it's just you know a winding path basically and the donkey hurt its leg so we had to carry it over our shoulders or on our heads and man that was a struggle that was that's where you need that's where you need someone like tom ballerin Yes, Tom you know, would have been a great asset there. He would have taken all of the bags for everyone. Well, yeah, him or, or Maxwell Kawanda Dashwood would have been a good sort of buddy to have there. The first time I met Tom was actually literally, and I shit you not, he was in Australia and preparing for a competition of his own. He walked into St. Ali carrying a sack of coffee from Santa Rosa in El Salvador. I was like... Santa Rosa in El Salvador. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. yeah I from, was like... Uh, Rivera. Yeah, I was just thinking... <laughs> Jesus, you don't say that every day. <laughs> and then he's gone on to have a very distinguished um, career as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, God bless him. He was, again, my savior in Milan. He uh, saved my life there. Like, he was my uh, chauffeur for the time. He was driving me around this crazy Milanese traffic because it's a bit ridiculous driving here. It's uh, definitely not like structured Switzerland in that regard. Oh, God, um, Italian drivers are uh, like, you know, zebra crossings seem to have no validity over there. They will drive right through you if you let them. Uh, to, to be honest, the thing I liked was the parking. Like you can just literally park where you want and you're sweet. <laughs> don't worry about lines. Don't worry about parking spots. Just like, is that a bit of tarmac over there? Yeah, let's pull up there. It was great. That made parking actually easier. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but yeah. But yeah, he, he kept me sane there. He was like... Uh, just so so amazed by his uh, his dedication to helping me and and the team um anything that sam and i needed like you know oh shit we we need more water cool tom can you run out and grab some yep sweet and he's just off and you know he was in the end like after this week-long setup that we had here in milan he took care of i mean sam took care of the coffee and the water that was his job Tom took care of everything else and I just had to pour water and speak basically. So we ended up working really well as a team. Tom was organizing everything, packing everything, polishing, setting up um, flavors, keeping me sane. I mean, we're, we've been good friends for quite a few years now and he knows how to, he knows what I need to hear to, to get back to reality. Mm-hmm. Um, he doesn't maybe strike everyone as the, the most uh, um, in touch person emotionally. Uh, he's a, very big dude, rugby player, um, playing semi-pro in in France at the moment, and he he's very very good at, at with people that he knows and trusts. So it's really good to have him on the so team. Big cuddly teddy bear. 
Yeah, yeah, but don't tell him that. Okay, oh no, I won't. He'll 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 ask me to run at him, and then I'll die. Um, anyway, so I'm gonna let's let's go back to the coffee here. So I'm gonna I'm going to uh, explain to the listeners the flavor. So the Brewers Cup score sheet. You for anyone who uh, hasn't uh, watched the Brewers Cup routine before, you you've got to give off quite a quite a few flavor notes. So I'm going to list them here and correct me if I'm wrong in any of them, Matt. All right, so on aroma, you had scents of rose and strawberry, hot flavors, rose, strawberry, fresh and candied, warm, soft raspberry candy with some tin pineapple, cool, pink guava nectar and jasmine, hot aftertaste, sparkling like a rosé champagne, cool aftertaste, mandarin, acidity, vibrant and lively, mostly tartaric, hint of citric, structured and integrated. Body juicy with lactic quality when hot, and when it's cool, it becomes rich and syrupy. I'd quite like to drink this coffee. Wasn't bad. It wasn't bad. Yeah, no, it was. It was incredible, to be honest. The flavors that we we managed to get out of this blend was. Oh, Is this it, the first World Brewers work. Cup to be in one with a blend? Yeah, I, I mean that's spoken about at least. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah, um, at least that we we know. Um, you know, the history goes back. I think twenty eleven or twenty ten, maybe. And maybe and earlier. and for for recently. for those listening and uh, about Brewers Cup for the first time, it quite often uh, is it one with geishas from ninety plus. I think ninety plus probably are the most winningest farm when it comes to to winning the World Brewers Cup. We've had Deterra um, with the. Um, the Lorena from the, Emmy. The Lorena from Emmy. The the brilliant coffee. And I can't remember too many more of that. Yeah, we had the 90... Uh, uh, honestly, the must all... The, 90 plus started winning in about 2012 or 2013, maybe. And I think cl- Matt Perga might have been the last one that didn't have 90 plus. Yeah, well, they've cleaned up a lot of trophy wear since then. But anyway, so it's quite unique to, to have won with a blend, let alone featuring Eugenoides and Katikai. Yeah, I mean, we the idea came after tasting the Katikai in, in, uh, in Ecuador. And I loved the coffee a lot. Um, it, it, it was responsible for all of basically the top end notes. So that had all the acidity. It had all of these floral and botanical. Uh, on its own, it's quite herbal, uh, herbaceous, I should say. It makes it sound a bit more positive. Um, but it is in a very positive way. Like it's uh, like rosemary. Um, it's a bit, bit like Thai basil, lemongrass, uh, mint, verbena tea, stuff like this. But in a super nice way. I'll have to send you some. Um, oh, please it's just do. Yummy. Of course, of course. <laughs> it's just a very, very yummy coffee and very drinkable. Um, and the fruit qualities are like very light. It's like, uh, you know, yellow and white fruits, lychee, uh, white nectarine, that sort of a thing. Um, and the body is just sparkling. So that's where any of these sparkling sort of qualities came from and the sort of herbal or um actually i mean in in the end there wasn't a lot of herbal man i can taste it now that i'm describing it so cool um flavors are coming back to me (laughs) um the there wasn't much herbal going on but it was a bit more on the floral direction and i think uh it also helped to reinforce like maybe this guava note a little bit the guava and the strawberry and raspberry are notes that come from uh the eugenoides more but not in the quality that they were present in the cup. Um, in the cup, it was, you know, it took the quality of raspberry and just sort of put it up a lot. Like it was really crazy. So you've been to to Brazil. Did you have goiabada, um, which was this guava 
uh, dessert. It's like a, a red block where it's like guava and sugar. Oh, probably. I, I I ate everything in Brazil. I ate Brazil, so yeah, I'd say I did. They, they do it. They do it with cheese. So it's like a, a cheese and then the guayaba. Oh yeah, they do everything with cheese. I remember. You know what? I had I had halloumi drizzled in dolce de leche for breakfast. Oh my god! Yeah, I think I need to get to Brazil soon. <laughs> Which oh, I will be like to LA. you definitely <laughs> you definitely pay for it in, in ways when 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 you're traveling abroad and eating that kind of stuff for breakfast. Uh, but you know, yeah, when in Rome. Eh? It's worth it. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the cold flavor, that guava nectar was like this goyabada. It was absolutely insane. One training day. I don't think I'll ever forget the, the that brew. Um, and then the warm flavor, this raspberry confectionery was exactly like Alan's lollies, um, like red frogs. It was just, that was the only thing you could taste. Hot was like, yeah, cool. The strawberry, whatever. And then it was like, bam, Alan's red frogs, lollies. And then bam, goyabada, nothing else. We ended up tweaking it to give a bit more complexity and, and bring a bit more florals into the cup after that. But like, wow. One thing I found really, really dope. one thing I found really interesting about your routine, Matt, is the way you sort of ask the judges to sort of interpret the coffee. So uh, you ask them to um, sort of observe three things: the when you take your first sip, um, think of the eugenoidus. When you take your second sip, think of the katakai and what that's adding to the coffee. And then in the third sip you know, combine them both together. So they're sort of compartmentalizing all three in a way. And which is, which is, you know, when I'm drinking a coffee, that's exactly how I like to experience it as well. It's like, you know, sometimes you forget, but, um, you know, sometimes you really do need to take your thinking cap to drinking, drinking coffee. And if you want to sort of experience it in different ways, sometimes it can be passive. And, um, but sometimes I really think you, you need to go in with a mindset of like, Hey, what am I going to look for in this coffee? You don't always find it, but sometimes it can enhance the experience. Can it not? Yeah, for sure. I mean, what we ended up, like, there's two parts to this that I'd like to talk about. And the first one is that the reason I did this was because I needed to cool the aromas down. Um, so the aromas, when they were super hot, were just, like, pungent. It was just too strong. I did just... notice you swirling it quite a lot before you gave it to them to... 100%. That was the main reason. I needed to fill in this time. We, had, we The way I did it up until, like, Friday before the, the open service on Monday was like just basically brewing flavor notes while I brew there's the coffee enjoy it sort of thing and we had to shift the whole thing across because the aromas were, were just not that good until about a minute and a half after brewing um so that's why I sort of I started brewing kept on talking about my approach gave some flavor notes and then we had to just find a way to fill in time and I think it was maybe Saturday night before Saturday night or Sunday night even could have been it was very very late that we realized that there was this this thing happening in the cup it was just tom sam myself we were sitting around um tasting the coffee and you know i was just swirling it and like we just came up with this idea somehow of giving an enhanced taste experience and i mean it is all about the taste experience there's literally a box for it so it's it's something that i felt should have taken more time and we we'd set this goal from the start with sam and myself that we'll we'll you know spend less time talking about farms and processing and all of this stuff just relate it to the cup link it to the cup and then let's talk about flavors let's you know talk about the stuff that actually matters because really no one gives a shit about you know the in-depth processing or the in-depth farm information there wasn't any like notes on the score sheet or any comments or feedback about hey you should have talked about the farm more 
I think it's more about like, you know, if you deliver information well, you don't notice what's missing. Um, but if you miss something and like it's an obvious miss and you don't deliver it well enough, then it's like, you know, alarm bells start going off. So we, we had this conscious idea of talking through the flavor experience and we were just sitting there and like, hey, yeah, it really is. You can taste the katsukai. You can taste the vibrancy. You know, you just taste this acidity. You have this florals. And the Eugenoides doesn't have florals like this. It's, you know, it doesn't have acidity. So where did that come from? Cool, it must have come from there. And then you look at the, the Eugenoides and like this guava and like this heavy, rich sort of note just comes up. And it's just like, you know, you're just holding the liquid in your mouth for a couple of seconds and it's just boom. You don't taste the acidity anymore. You just get this heavy, rich sweetness in the mouthfeel. And then when you then switch again and start thinking of the blend, it's like, whoa, actually they are both there and they're sort of dancing. They're doing this little dance between each other. It was really, really Yeah, and uh, I guess the, the way those two coffees interacted sounds really interesting and, you know, it could inspire more blends in the future for these types of competitions. That'd be awesome. And, and I mean, it's it's. I mostly drink single origin, mind you. Like, uh, it's rare that I drink blends um, in general or even sort of make them, but it, it worked so well. You can sort of take the best from each, but it, it, it wasn't as simple as just whacking two coffees together. It was really a long time of, of work to get it done. Well, that's that's what I wanted to ask you about next. The preparation for a World Brewers Cup win. Um, what is it? Mm. Because it, you know... You, listen, uh, put yourself in the shoes of some of the listeners here who might be tuning in for the first time. They're thinking, this guy poured water over a coffee bed, you know, made, it, made a cup of coffee, and now and th- these people are making a big deal out of him. It's not that simple. I'm, I'm not trying to, uh, to trivialise your win, Matt, but, you know, let's dumb it down for the common man. Um, and mm. so what, what's the preparation to becoming a World Brewers Cup competition uh, winner? So I've got some little uh, notes that I wrote down here. So you, you used um, 20 grams of coffee to 300 mils of water. Your water was, in fact, 98.6% water with a composition of magnesium and calcium. You got two kettles, one 93 degrees, one 88 degrees, and you used what I would have would call the Tetsu pour. Yeah, we're on the right. Yeah, a few a few people have have commented on the the tetsu thing, which I I it didn't cross my mind until someone said it to me like the week after. I mean, I guess it sort of is, but it definitely wasn't thought about like that. We For anyone wondering what to, we're talking about, uh, you can watch Tetsu Kasuya's World Brewers Cup winning routine, in which he sort of popularized the four six method. Now the tetsu pour, but anyway, can continue on, Matt. I mean, we just did. The idea was to do five equal pours, and it was just a recipe that we found. That was something that Sam um, brought to the table. Uh, as soon as we met in Milan, we basically deconstructed the whole everything and rebuilt it. So we got to Milan about seven days before the competition. We, I did a, a brew of the version of the blend that I had, and it was good. And then he's like, cool, let's try these things. And we just tweaked it. And we immediately had a better result by using a five-pour method instead of a four or three. Um, it was just tastier. Um, I think that allowed us to still keep this really coarse grind setting and extract a lot. Um, we had to reduce the time between pours as short as possible. And this is also what the competition sort of only lets you do because you should brew three at the same time. So you have to you know, figure out a way to pour and to brew that suits the routine so you know you can just do one at a time and wait and one at a time and wait and one at a time and wait 
Or if you do three at a time, by the time you finish that third one, you have to go back to the first and then that sort of affects how they brew. So you've got, you know, I had about 28 seconds between each brew. Um, So I need to figure out a way that to pour fast enough to get back to that first one without the bed running too dry because that gave us some dryness in the training. So we we removed all of that throughout the the buildup of just like, you know, we've got a touch of dryness, let's get rid of it. You know, how can we get rid of it? Okay, let's tweak the water to get rid of that dryness. Let's, you know, grind coarser, let's uh, pour as soon as the bed sort of runs dry. So, oh, it's dry, cool, let's go next water pour, more water, more water. You know, it was uh, a really interesting way of, of brewing that I've managed to translate to a lot of other coffees as well. How many brews approximately do you think you made um, in Milan? So I'll, I'll, I'll ask you a two-part question here. So both, so from the time you arrived to Milan to uh, on stage and from the time you started preparing for the Brewers' Cup and to the time you won, how many, how many brews do you think you made? Oof. I don't know. I mean, working with Sam remotely was cool because we could both brew. I could brew in Switzerland. He could brew in Australia. And we had the same coffee because we both roasted it on the same machine with the, the Cafe Logic. It was a really cool little roaster that Sam's uh, working with the guys from them. Um, and they, they sent a unit over. Super, super cool. Wayne is such a good dude from Cafe Logic. He helped us out so much and we were able to like synchronize the roasters so that we could both taste the same thing. We used Aquacode water diluted to the same strength. So we were tasting the same thing. So there was, I don't know, maybe let's say in the two months build up between the announcements and the, uh, when I went to Milan, I don't know, maybe a hundred, not a huge amount, but then there was probably almost 50 in the seven days before, I guess, like it was just brew after brew. We basically totally dissected the whole components of the blend we took the eugenoides and we actually had like it wasn't just two coffees there was different roast profiles of the same coffee and we even had a, a couple of different versions of the katukai and of the eugenoides that we were playing with and figuring out with which ratios and stuff so it, it wasn't as simple as just taking one coffee 40 percent of that taking the other one 60 percent of that but there was different roast profiles and different versions like lots um, with slightly different processing of the same coffee um, that we used in different amounts and so we broke all that down built it back up then you know tested the water being like all right cool we've got now i remember the one time where we had six different waters the first one to try and sort of start big and see what worked and then the next three brews so we were always practicing with three so it was three 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 and you know figuring out like oh this much magnesium or this much magnesium sulfate over magnesium chloride or this much calcium chloride but then we had to adjust the potassium bicarbonate and then the sodium bicarbonate had to be more or less and like it was just insane and that's what sam's biggest strength i think is is his water knowledge yeah well i mean i'll, I'll just uh let, let's let's talk about sam cora for a moment so sam cora is the head of coffee for honor coffee who i, I doubt need much introduction uh for anyone listening to this podcast but um, just Google on a coffee, and you'll you'll see the uh, long lineage of um, of distinguished baristas and whatnot. Um, so Sam Cor is the head of coffee, former head roaster for Honor Coffee, came second in the World Brewers Cup to Chad Wang a few years ago. Um, it must have been close, but Chad Wang's uh, performance was brilliant, as was Sam's. Um, and Sam's roasted World Brewster Championship winning coffee for Sasha Sestich, uh for Agnieszka Rowuska. Um, I assume roasted for Martin Shabaya, who came fifth this year. 
Uh, there's probably countless others that I haven't included. Um, you know, Honor win the world bar- the, the Australian Barista. Oh, Hugh Kelly, they win the Australian Barista Championship, uh, and uh, pretty much all the time now. Um, and I guess, and Sam would be an integral part to that. He's not a he's not a huge uh, coffee influencer kind of guy. He's not a he keeps it pretty uh, he keeps it pretty low key on the socials. But you know, behind um, behind all those champions and you know and you know uh, star performers in barista. Uh, competitions and, and the like he's the guy that's there sort of pulling all the strings isn't he 100 percent, yeah sam is the unsung hero of that entire uh group of list of people i feel uh he, he doesn't get a quarter of the credit that he deserves and i i haven't shut up about him since winning <laughs> he mm. still deserves more he's just uh yeah an absolute legend really 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 good human uh, so selfless, so knowledgeable, and just wants to to share dope coffee. I feel, um, and it was an absolute pleasure working with him and and soaking up some of that knowledge as well. It was it was awesome. Yeah, and um, quite quite a wine connoisseur as well. So he's got a very uh, distinguished palate. I believe his parents were um, were they're in the wine importing game. I don't know if that's true. Maybe you do, but um, is that a yes? You're nodding yes. Is that a yes? Right, yes, cool. yeah, yeah, oh, that's, that's right. Yeah. That's a yes, everyone. So, um, it's, it's always dangerous going out to, to a restaurant with Sam. You're going to end up with a few bottles on the table. Sounds, sounds like heaven. Um, but, you know, <laughs> Sam, if you're listening or if anyone who knows Sam is listening, I want him on the podcast. Let's try and get him on the podcast. Mm. I want to pick that brain apart. I think the world needs that. Um, so, all right, we'll leave that there. Um, but He's chilling out in France at the moment. Maybe, maybe he's got a bit of time up his sleeve now. I'll, I'll, ask him. I'll let him. I'll let him enjoy the Beaujolais and the uh, the Burgundy and um, and all the other sort of niceties that France has to offer. Um, so <laughs> having a coach for a Brewers Cup competition is pretty important, right? Uh, I I never thought that it was it was necessary. I thought I could do this on my own for a long time, and I, I always felt like I was on my own. Um, when I first reached out to Sam, I felt like it was more of a way of like, hey, what coffees do you have? Um, well, how how did that sort of eventuate? Did you proactively seek him out? Did they seek you out? What, what, what happened there? Yeah, yeah. I, I reached out to Sam. Um, like I always um, admired him and his coffee knowledge and skills. And I reached out to him uh, I think it maybe even immediately after I won to, to see like, Hey, if, if Australia is happening in Melbourne, can you support me? Can you help me out a bit? Like, I don't know that you've got a lot of skills and I'm going to be alone. Um, so, you know, is that okay if, if we, we team up a bit and he was like, yeah, sweet, no worries. And then I reached out again when we found out the competitions were actually happening and he sent over some coffees. Um, and then I sent him some and we just sort of were like working it out, but I, I didn't really think of it as like a coaching role. I thought of it more as like a assist. Um, and then as we started to get into it more, I was like, fuck, I, I really need someone like him to help me push myself. Um, and it wasn't really strongly until we were actually together because we we'd spent all of a couple of hours together in the build up to that, like few hours in Canberra when I that trip that I came and saw you he came to Zurich in 2019 and we just had like a couple of dinners but you know nothing crazy we weren't super close at the time and then in that that seven days before like that was when I was like fuck all right you know I think it was probably Thursday or Friday I just said look I trust you totally whatever you do do it 
it was between him and Tom that I just gave 100% of the trust of the taste of the coffee, what you're doing, you know, you make a change in the water, do it. You make a change in the coffee, do it. It's 100% on you. I, I didn't, I felt like I didn't have the, the space to be able to try and control those variables as well as doing the performance aspect of it. So we, we ended up just, you know, he focused on the coffee. Tom had everything else and I could just focus on pouring water on coffee and saying words because there was actually a time, I think it was Thursday or Friday. It wasn't very long before where, I mean, you've competed, you know, there's these, these peaks and troughs when you compete of like confidence and motivation and stuff like that. And I hit a massive trough just a few days before and basically the coffee was tasting so good. And I couldn't fucking say a flavor note and pour water accurately at the same time. It just wasn't coming out. I just couldn't do it. And like, I was there and just like, I just got so frustrated and, and like, you know, in a way like mad at myself because all of the work that these guys had done and I was going to fuck it up by not being able to speak and pour water well, like, and just like, ah, uh, just drove me crazy for a few days. I mean, not even a few days. It was more like a few hours. It was an evening. And I just stayed back late that day at the training center and just poured water onto nothing, just poured and spoke and poured and spoke and poured and spoke for, I don't know, a couple of hours. Um, just trying to get this muscle memory right and the words coming out. And I was sort of like matching the words to the movement. So, okay, I do the first pour, I say this. Do the second pour, I say that. Third pour, I say that. And just doing this over and over again until I felt like I was, uh, you know, able to represent what we had worked through and or worked for. And the, the result that we were getting in the cup was then worth the, the delivery that I could give. What's uh, what What was life like, you know, in the few nights or the moment or a few nights after you were the winner. So, you know, you're Matt Winton, uh, you've been on the scene for a few years, uh, and this is obviously your big breakout moment as a, uh, in the barista vocation, let's say. Um, what, what, what's life been like since then? I mean, afterwards, it didn't really hit me. I just, it really felt like, oh, yeah, cool, I just did a thing. Like, uh, I was like, yeah, sweet. No worries. It was, that, that's cool. I got a trophy. Sweet. I mean, really it was more about the team. I remember right before I, I called time, um, to start, I had this feeling come up of like, I'm doing this for Tom and Sam. Like they were working so hard to be there. And all I had to do was just pour water and say some words. And it was just like, all right, I'm doing this for them. So then when I won, it was like, there you go, guys, this is for you. And that was really how it felt immediately. And then <laughs> I said this to, to Tom in the car after we won and he got really mad at me because I was like, oh, yeah, but I didn't, I wasn't the best. I, I, you know, I missed a few points and like, oh, I could have done a little bit better. He's like, fuck it, shut up, man. You just won. Like, stop <laughs> it. <laughs> so like, I think that it, it really didn't sink in for a bit and it took about a week of, of, digesting um you know feeling the emotions i think on stage like in the announcements i was just like oh yeah cool nice this is sweet this is great i was enjoying myself i was super happy but like it didn't hit hit and then after watching the routine back a few times and watching almost everyone else's routine i saw what we did and watched the announcements from like you know friends in the audience send me their recordings as well and seeing how much it meant to my friends and the joy on their faces and, and, you know, seeing the, the video of Sammy jumping up and down on a chair in the audience. And that was what made it real. That was when I was like, cool, 
we we did something nice here and seeing the announcements and it's like oh yeah that was me the one that's not normally how it goes it's normally someone else that's winning um so that was kind of nice yeah it, it sunk in and and like yeah I, I i dare say you're probably going to get to do we as usually happens with brewers cup and barista competition victories is you get to go you get invited to a few more places and you get to go traveling a lot more and all those sorts of things so you probably got that to look forward to you excited for that yeah, yeah, keen. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think that there's there's a lot to consider now in in being a, a champion, quote unquote. I, I still don't fully feel like uh, you know I haven't changed that much. Like I didn't do anything spectacular between not getting announced and getting announced. Like you're still the same person, I, I think. But now it's just that people seem to value you a lot more, which is kind of a strange thing to be honest. It's a little bit like, okay, well, you know. Like you're one of the OGs, you know, you were going to have me on here before or after it was all sweet, but a lot of people just sort of want your attention since you have a title. And that's a bit of a strange thing to to comprehend, but it's something that you sort of have to deal with. And, and like I spoke to a few world champions, like Matt Perger, a friend of ours, um, Sasha has helped a lot. Uh, Dan Fellows, the two-time world champion of Coffee and Good Spirits um dale harris these guys all helped to give me little little nuggets of advice of sort of how to approach it and we are all just sort of winging it and we all are just figuring it out for ourselves and and yeah i think it's awesome to be able to invite to be invited to all of these other things and have the opportunities to do things that both i find interesting um, and rewarding and what i can give back to other people to make you know make a difference i suppose I, i'm not into necessarily you know going out and being a consultant and making lots of money and all this sort of stuff but more like all right well what does this what value does this give to other people um that's more what i'm interested in um if i can do both at the same time then that's fantastic but uh yeah i don't know maybe that's just how i am a little bit as well well brilliant segue into my next question what's next for matt winton it's a good question um I remember like a few years ago, someone asked me what my five-year five, five year plan was and I kept on thinking like five years, fuck, I can barely see five minutes into the future. <laughs> like that's, It's just uh, forward thinking isn't a strong suit of mine. I think I'd prefer to live a little bit more in the moment. Um, but what I feel that's coming up is uh, going to probably be starting a roastery or we will be at some point in Zurich. So there's going to be definitely some tasty roasted coffee coming to the world, which I'm really looking forward to. So a bit of a showcase now for me to, yeah, showcase what I like, what I think is good. That's been the sort of benchmark between myself and my business partner, Fredo. We've just been like tasting coffees and like, okay, do we want to sell this? I'm like, well, would we drink it at home? Yeah. Okay. Would Do you like it? Yeah, I like it. Do I like it? Yeah, I like it. Cool. Then that's the one. So that's sort of been what we're, we're looking for. Um, not necessarily anything else. Um, so that's been a really cool benchmark to find coffees and, and be able to express them. Then I think there's just going to be a lot of traveling, which I'm super stoked for. Like that'll be really nice. Get to, to, to travel and speak and be a part of other coffee communities. And I see, even though, you know, how I said before, like it's kind of weird that people all of a sudden value you and respect you. I think it's also really nice because it's an opportunity for me to, to, share in other people's lives i think in other people's communities and be a part of that as much as as my own and if they take value in me coming over and brewing a coffee and and listen to what i have to say then you know i think it's kind of nice to make a positive impact that way 
Well said, mate. Well said. And Matt, I think we've we're, we're just on an hour here, and this is this has been one of the best podcasts I think I've ever done. And it's partly because I've known you for a, for a few years prior to this, and there's there's um, there's little awkwardness between us. It's great to be able to talk to someone like that. But <laughs> you know, you're you're a great speaker. But one thing that I'm going to try and ask all the guests from now on in their concluding remarks: what's something or two 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 part question? What's something? people don't know about you that you would like them to know about you and then your concluding remarks what's well, something people don't know but i would like them to know you said oh, meditation before you know yeah i yeah i don't think there's anything that I, I really need people to know about me but i think what most people are shocked to know about me is the the whole um um, actually I just, yeah, no, I realize what it is. It's that I don't drink. I think that's probably the biggest one because <laughs> most people are surprised when I say like, yeah, I don't, I don't drink alcohol. Like it, uh, I stopped that a few years ago, but yeah, I'm a pretty spiritual person. Like I meditate, uh, twice every day. I, uh, try and live my life in a, in a pretty, um, I don't know. How do you say that? Yeah. I'm a bit of a hippie, I suppose. Is, very... is the, is the lack of drinking, sorry. And feel free to not answer this if you don't want to. Um, is the, no, all good. Is it for mental health purposes, for health purposes? What, what's, what's the go there? Hey, it just, it became something really intolerable to me. I, I just couldn't do it after a while. I think it started with the daily meditation practice and actually a, a mutual friend of ours, Jeremy Khan, um, Jez, he, he uh, was one of the people who helped me down this meditation pathway and he's living in Melbourne and used to come into St. Alili all the time. Oh, the, the British, um, the British he, guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Jazz is a huge influence on me. Yeah. Mm. Um, so as I started to to meditate more, I became more sensitive and more aware of like myself, my body, my energy, other people's energies, and I just couldn't. It was just, it, I just couldn't do it. It just, you know, I, I have a sip of alcohol now and I get a headache, and the effect is not a positive one on me. It's it's something that like heats me up, makes me feel kind of sick, and makes me detach from my body. And I want to be more present instead of detaching in general. So I just stopped. Like I, I can have sort of half a glass of wine here and there. Um, but even there, I still get a headache. But it's just like, oh, yeah, this is fun. It's like a social thing. Um, just doesn't doesn't click with me anymore. Yeah. And, and now, Matthew, your, your uh, crescendo, your goodbyes to the Sub-Zero coffee listeners, the loyal Sub-Zero coffee listeners who have been waiting for podcasts for some time. And I'm thinking I'm probably going to release this one first. I've got four recorded so far right now and you know, I've been sitting on them for too long. But um, yeah. it, uh, I've been busy with uni and work and stuff like that. Uni's over now, so that's, 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 that's great. But your concluding remarks, Matthew. Ah. Oh. Man, I don't know. I'm I'm so bad at saying goodbye. I'm <laughs> so I don't even know what to it's say. Hard to, it's hard to see you go. <laughs> no, thanks so much for having me, of course. And um uh let me see what comes up. Um yeah, I think it, it's really, really cool that you're doing this. It's it's really nice that you have this platform to be able to share other people's stories. Um for me, I always love the podcast medium. It's something that I fully resonate with. Um, it's just a way for me to sort of like eavesdrop on a conversation and get all of the knowledge and the goodness out of it without uh, being part of it. So I really like it. And uh, I thank you for what you're doing. And I, I think it's really, really, really good work. Um, so thanks for doing the, the Sub-Zero podcast. I also hope to see a Sub-Zero pop-up happening soon. 
that would be amazing. I would uh, never got the chance to visit one in Australia. Um, that would just make my make my dream come true. I think maybe just to I know you're about to say something now, but whatever's happening with the Melbourne Championships, I think we can make something happen with us. That well, something can be on the cards. Well, mate, I wasn't I wasn't going to spill the beans on air, but I was. Uh, I, I've got some I've got some plans cooking up for one. I, I've moved from Melbourne, so I now live on the central coast of New South Wales, which is you know quite a distance away so I'm, cl- I'm a lot closer to Sydney now but um, mm-hmm. I'll be having one uh, in the not too distant future hopefully by the end of the year and uh, let's just uh, let's just say I'm going to ask you off air about uh, the availability of one's World, Bre- World Brewers Cup winning brew I'm going to leave it there thank you everyone thank you so <laughs> much for joining us uh, for the Sub-Zero Coffee podcast yet again it's been lovely to have Matthew Winton on and it's been lovely to have you here And it's so good to be back. Anyway, as always, everyone, I'm going to wish you well and wish you to stay cool. Stay cool.